0: All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Kente Corner, your favorite casual Hoya basketball podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Bancroft, and I know we've been on a little bit of a break here, but don't worry, we are back with the one and only NY Hoya. NY, it's been a while, but real quick, let me kind of set the stage. We are recording this Friday right before the Villanova game, which is a gray out. Georgetown obviously lost yesterday to Providence. They are now 6-9. and nine. in the Big East. They're on a five-game losing streak. 0-4 start does match. The program's worst start in history in the Big East. They were 0-4 both in 1999 and 2017. They did yesterday get Captain Don Carey back, and he made a huge difference. If we want to try and look at some of the positives, I know Casual Andrew was going to come on. He liked to point out yesterday that the Hoyas were able to cover, so that was good for him, I guess, maybe. But... uh. NY, I don't think I've talked to you in a while, so I want to wish you a happy new year. And going back a little bit into 2021, I can't help but say I really enjoyed the awards after the big Syracuse win.
1: What's up, Bobby? I enjoyed (laughs) writing the awards after the big Syracuse win. Um, And I think that's undeniably been the silver lining of the season, which is it's, it's hard to be too upset when we took care of business against Syracuse and beat three Bay Himes. Did it on the same day as we dedicated the court to Coach Thompson. And for at least one day, we had a beautiful outcome. And it was actually a gorgeous day in D.C. too. So everything felt normal for that Saturday in December. It felt good.
0: And, you know, I was a little bit worried about naming the court. Obviously, you need to do that. But I want to say that Georgetown has ruined at least you probably might know this more than me. I feel like they ruined Carmelo Anthony day at Syracuse. And I also think that they ruined name of the court after Bayhime. So I was like, ah, uh, you know, not Georgetown's best ever team. You know, this, this, you know, this game is going to be tough. So really awesome that they were able to defend John Thompson Jr. And do you remember, am I right? Did Georgetown? You're
1: right on both. I mentioned this at the end of the, uh, the awards, but yeah, not not Carmelo Anthony day. Yes, and that was in front of the biggest um, crowd to watch a college basketball game at the time. Obviously with Carmelo in attendance. But the Jim Beheim Court dedication day was was 20 years ago. I think it was in 2002, and so that was a team that featured Gerald Riley and Mike Sweetney and and you know some of our some of our old favorites. But it was. 2002 2003 it was it was one of those two years but um it was great we have a we have a habit of boiling a lot of their big days at the carrier dome
0: now i haven't been to a game well oh, i'm sorry i've been to the home games this year i haven't been to a road game or i guess a neutral site game as it is even though it was against st john's in the 2020 Big East tournament right before the world completely changed and uh you just mentioned mike sweetney he was behind the hoyas bench um, last weekend when the Hoyas took on St. John's at Madison Square Garden, and I couldn't help but notice, since we were talking, that you were there. So, I'm assuming you're NY, Hoya. I'm assuming you've been to many games at Madison Square Garden. Um, what was it like going this year? You know, obviously, we're still in the pandemic. Everything's a little bit different. What was your experience like going to this uh, road game?
1: So, my, I've been to a number of Georgetown St. John's games at the Garden. And my last Garden experience was at the Big East tournament the night Tom Hanks and Rudy Gobert announced that they had COVID and yeah. Georgetown in in the, in the infamous COVID game against St. John's blew a big lead in the last seven minutes of that game. Uh, we were both and, there. And Perfect. We we were both there. Uh, I'm sure we both got COVID. I then took uh New Jersey transit home and got COVID a second time and then the world changed. So, so- how was my experience uh, almost 2 years later returning to the garden i so the the first thing just putting aside the how the team played and and all that the overall experience there weren't a lot of people there and obviously a lot of that has to do with uh, omicron and um but more to the point whereas i feel like the garden is uh you know has a healthy um showing from the georgetown faithful i don't know what the percentage are percentages are you know i think i've i remember it being somewhere around 60 40 70 30. in this game it wasn't close in, in this game it honestly looked like it was 95-5 uh, there were really just a smattering of georgetown fans in a few different sections so it was a little disheartening to see it wasn't surprising given COVID and and the way we've been playing but just the overall environment felt it felt like for the first time ever at the garden for a Georgetown St. John's game that St. John's had a like sort of a dominant home court advantage.
0: You know, what's crazy is, and I'm sure you watch all the games, you know, back home is that the way that the lighting and the cameras and everything just no matter how many people are or are not at Madison square garden, it doesn't look like it's a bad crowd. You know what I mean? So that's why I was interested in getting your perspective because I said, "Okay, you know, at least at Madison Square Garden, which I've been to a lot of Big East tournaments. I think I've been to a couple non-Big East tournament Georgetown games up there. Um at least at least three. But it looked good because man, outside of Syracuse game, it's 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 grim is the word I would use to describe Georgetown's attendance. So that's a little that's a little disappointing that it wasn't better up there. And I mean, obviously, Look, let's be fair. Even if the teams are super awesome, it was an NFL playoff Sunday, right? So, you know, the viewership was good because mm-hmm. they had the they had the Tom Brady lead in. But uh, yeah, it's too bad to hear that the uh, the crowd wasn't
1: spectacular. It's true, but even on you know Super Bowl Sunday a number of years ago, what 2015, we beat Michigan State. That was fun at the Garden.
0: So. I laid down all of the nuts and bolts of Georgetown, but let me just go a little bit deeper, just to kind of make sure that we catch everyone up to what's going on. So, you know, obviously Georgetown six and nine, zero oh and four. That's not great. The metrics don't look any better. So, you know, the old standard, which just got completely buried, uh, RPI right now they are two twenty three. The net, which is basically the new RPI, they're a little bit better. They actually moved up after the loss yesterday. They are two oh eight. There are two, what I'm going to call Power Six conference teams that have a worse net, which is Oregon State and Georgia. If I'm missing someone, I apologize. You can tweet me and let me know. Um, Ken Palm, which is probably my favorite site and metric. I think it's totally worth the 20 bucks or whatever it is. Um, even if you're not you know a journalist or anything, Like I think it's a great resource to have to know what's going on. Uh, the Hoyas are 161. Um, the major conference teams, the Power Six, like I said, that are worse. I have Nebraska, Pitt, and Georgia. So obviously, there's nowhere to really look and find great stuff to talk
1: about. I got to say, though, just just in that list. (laughs) Okay. Feels pretty good. Still feels pretty good to be better than Pitt. Never going to lose any love for Pitt, abandoning us in the Big East, just being an awful team to face for a number of reasons, beating us in the 2008 Big East Championship. It feels good to be ahead of Pitt, even if it's in this, you know, in in this uh, unfortunate list, and let's also be honest. It's nice to be better better than Tom Crean at something. Tom Crean is down <laughs> at Georgia, clearly doing a masterful job. So we're two for two, as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yes, two for two, and I want to say that Georgia was one of Aminu Muhammad's, uh, you know, possible destinations. So so he made the um, right
1: decision clearly. Clearly.
0: Clearly. I mean, you know, he's leading the Big East in rebounding. I mean, what else What else can you ask for the guy as a, uh, as a five-star freshman that's kind of undersized to be leading, leading the Big East in rebounding? So, like I said, that's kind of where they are. I do love Ken Palm. If you go to Ken Palm's page, they give you basically a percent of where they think Georgetown's going to be in each game. It's not pretty viewing right now. So, all that being said, we can't fix what happened, but we can look forward. And where do you kind of see? What, what, what do you kind of look at as like best case scenario going forward for Georgetown this season?
1: Best case scenario going forward: winning the biggest tournament and going to the tournament. <laughs> I, I guess Friday night in the garden. Do a, we do have we do have a precedent for that, right? Yes. You know, not not being all that good during the regular season, and then all of a sudden turning it around for an incredible revenge tour for the ages. So we we do have that as a, as a, as a healthy precedent to, uh, to point to, but I, you know, what do I see as a likely, um, not a likely as a, as a best case scenario, a best case scenario is somehow clawing our way to, to 500, even though we're already four games back in the conference and playing strong, getting these, freshmen and sophomores in particular, to start to gel, to give us something exciting to look forward to next year?
0: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I don't know if that's changed from what you were expecting to come into the season. I'm on record in different places, maybe on the casual site, maybe just on my stupid Twitter feed, which is at Bobby Bancroft, is I thought 5-15 and after the Trey King news. That's kind of where I saw them. Because, you know, like, look, Providence was playing a bunch of guys that should probably be making money playing basketball. Not in the NBA, but you know they, I mean, just everywhere you look, it's just you know fifth year senior, fifth year senior. I think they have a sixth year senior, all that kind of stuff. So you know Georgetown did, you know they didn't get Pickett to stay, which made sense. He's playing in the pros. You know Blair, Bele, you know even Wahab leaves. So once the Trey King thing didn't work out, which I thought, I mean he might have been one of their better players in a position of complete need. Five and fifteen right now. I think I know we talked a second ago about this before we started recording. The Butler game that they've already played, I think, could have been a W if Don Carey had played. I think he showed yesterday his worth. If anybody was questioning how important the captain is to the team, but right now, uh, NY, I'm not going to lie, I- I'm looking at, I'm looking at us. I think, I think your path is splitting with DePaul because getting swept by DePaul would be a new mark to put out there. Um, I think you can win at Hinkle. That's where they usually win, and, and then. Finding a couple games where Caden Rice gets ridiculously hot, everyone's kind of moving. But, I mean, still, I have a hard time getting – I think I'm more at the 3-4 win threshold right now. And you, you did mention, you know, wanting to see growth from the freshmen. Um, it's really unfortunate that while there are struggles on the court that this isn't a time where Jordan Riley is having an opportunity to kind of show what he's going to be like in the next couple of years. So I think there are more 3-4 wins – um, I think you're right about seeing what the freshmen do. And and speaking of that, what's your take on Ryan Matumbo?
1: I'd like to see more of the kid. I agree. Um, he's I've, I've been pleasantly surprised by Ryan. I, I, I just assumed going in that he would be a project. Uh, you know, he obviously has, you know, some good, some good length, but <laughs> I, I thought it would be a big adjustment for him. Uh, and I, I was frankly sort of expecting like a freshman year Roy well, this will this will take a few years but he's he's more athletic than I thought he's more coordinated than I thought and maybe most surprisingly he's a better shooter than I thought he's he's got he's got a little bit of range he's got pretty good form and you know he's got a good sense of, of what he's doing but there's there's obviously he's got to put some muscle on he's got to get better awareness on both sides uh, he's got to become a better passer and pass out uh, a bit, a bit more. And, and you know, I think the reason why he hasn't been playing, he didn't play as much in in the last couple of games. It's it's just because on the defensive end, too often he's he's losing his man or he's facing a guy who's, you know, can body him a bit. And he'll he'll get better with time. But I've been pleasantly surprised by the way he's played. Yeah, I
0: agree. And, um, you know, obviously Patrick was out for a couple games. They didn't say he had COVID. They said he was, you know, non-compliant with the D.C. health regulations, all that kind of stuff. We can just assume what was going on. Um, but while he was gone, we saw what I would like to see more of, which is zone. And I know that you can't just wake up and decide, OK, we're not really good at defending man to man. You just mentioned maybe mutumbo struggling with that and just say, hey, today we're going to be a zone team because it's not that simple, as everyone listening knows. But I, I did like them playing more zone. And I think that's where you could maybe mask not just Ryan, but anyone that's you know struggling against certain certain um, matchups. You know there is a way to play a different kind of defense, and that is I thought one of the positives that came out of uh, Louis Orr acting Georgetown coach, which is such an interesting statement. I, I can't believe I'm saying. So there's that. And now look, obviously if you're listening to Kente Corner, thank you so much. We got to do a better job of getting these. Getting these podcasts out there, you can blame technology on the last recording that we did with with Nolan in Florida. Um, big apologies. We had a we had the best podcast ever, and no one's going to get to hear it. If you're listening, I know that you're not feeling great. You want more out of the Georgetown program. Everybody does, but we don't want to shoot our wad early here and just go into just you know it's we're not even to February yet. But that being said, there is one thing I want to talk to you about in that I think Patrick kind of got ahead of himself a little bit. Let's talk about this. After the Marquette game, Georgetown looked terrible. There's no denying it. They're coming off the pause. He said, hey, look, you know, everyone's on notice. John Thompson, and this is all paraphrasing, John Thompson Jr. is rolling over in his grave. This is not acceptable from the program, from, you know, for me. It's not what we're about. He said something along those lines. I thought it was a little bit early to say all those things. You might have a little different take on it.
1: I do. Before I get into that, let me just like echo what you okay. just said. I think just on, on zone and, and changing the schematics a bit, I, I, I completely agree, uh, especially with the press. Instead of waiting until we're down 15 points to start pressing, yeah. we have, even with such a young team, we have a lot of bodies and you know a lot of athletes. It would be nice to see more regular use of a full-court press, especially since we struggle to score in half-court sets. Like so, let's try to get some turnovers. We've looked pretty good when we've pressed. Let's make that happen. On, on, on your Ewing point, I, I take a different view on okay. that. I, I saw what he said after the game, and I, I thought it was fine. I, th- I think he was just trying to light a fire under his guys and say, you know, you got to work harder, you got to play harder. Uh, the timing of it all was unfortunate because everyone I know is struggling with COVID. We, we haven't had, you know, a full team since. Since what the the TCU game? No, I think so TCU. I think I think Dante was out
0: oh, with a with a non COVID okay, injury. Dante was
1: out. So okay, so okay, so our our game against Providence was the first time we had a full roster, even minus Jordan Riley, of course, was out with the shoulder injury. The first time we had a full roster since the Syracuse game, when we looked like a, you know coherent team
0: functioning uh, that
1: yeah yeah a, a decently well functioning. Team, even though Syracuse isn't isn't anything special, uh, you know. So th- that's that's of course another we can we can talk about that in, you know in a second too. Like it's it's hard to get two down on this team, even though we have this zero and four piggy start and five game losing streak because we've been missing bodies. Um, but other teams have been missing players too.
0: Yeah, I get it, and I think what Patrick said. I think was something that needed to be said. And he obviously knows his locker room more than me or you do. And I'm sure said, you know, all coaches say different things behind closed doors and then they come out and they say things that they want to get out there. I guess the reason why I would have liked him to save that, just like I think we need to save, you know, big sweeping proclamations or predictions or whatever we want or, or that, you know, we think is that, what do you say the next time a Marquette performance happens? Because you've already, you've already, you know, gone to that. And I think that's where I'm just like, Ugh. and the one thing we've seen, even in the transfers, I guess it was a couple years ago now, is that even when they got down to five, six, you know, seven healthy bodies, it never seemed like his guys quit on him. So obviously he has the ability to like get the guys going to get the guys to play for him. I was just surprised that he went to that so early because i felt like there will be more opportunities where you can use this this speech
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah i can I also
0: could, see your i could see your perspective as well
1: yeah he's trying to light a fire i'm, I'm fine with it uh look it's been a, it's been a tough season he's trying to get the guys fired up and uh, and get them to turn it around and fortunately he he's got last season's example as a as a model and he can go to the freshmen and sophomores and say, "You, you can do, you can do the same thing." We're a much younger team than we were last year, but it's possible if the team comes together and and you know and gets a, gets back together.
0: Yeah, we we haven't talked to players in a while just because they've been on the COVID pause. And even though we did see, I think uh, uh, Muhammad came out after a loss, which was incredible because one, you had a freshman speak. Before second semester, and you had a player speak after a loss—two things that don't happen a lot at Georgetown. So that was a really good thing. But one of the things I'd like to ask somebody, like I guess it would really just be Carey or Harris, um, is because Pickett was at that Marquette game, I'm pretty sure. And just to be like, you know, are you talking? You know, are you do you, are, do you communicate with guys like Pickett or Beale or uh, Blair? Have they given you any sort of, you know, because they've been through this? And you know, I just wonder what that sort of camaraderie is with some of the guys that have left. Um, you know, cause you, you know, like I said, Patrick needs to know his guys, but at the same time, you know, as a parent, you got like, sometimes there's a good cop, sometimes there's a bad cop and it'd be interesting to see what kind of support they are getting from those other guys. Now, the problem when you're in a losing streak in the big East is, like I said, it's a very veteran league this year. It's one of the better leagues of the 11 teams, pretty much any of the bracketology guys now pretty much seven seven teams are in there. You know, um, Marquette's kind of a surprise. St. John's probably a little bit disappointing. But other than that, it's, you know, Creighton's probably doing a little bit better than you thought. But, you know, for the most part, you know, there's tournament teams
1: everywhere. And, yeah, like I said... I saw, us getting eight, I saw the conference getting eight teams at one point a few weeks ago. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, so... Great. We're the weak link.
0: Yeah, well, not even weak link. They're like a legitimately bad loss. I think they're a quad four. But... What I was trying to say is when you're in this losing streak, you know, the good thing is like when you're like middle of the pack and you're in the losing streak, it's like, well, look, all we got to do is win a couple games. We're right back on the bubble. I mean, you know, we know bracketologists. Uh, I think, you know, bracketologists personally, but the problem is when you're Georgetown and you're way down at the bottom, you look around and you're like, well, where the hell are the wins going to come from? So Georgetown has their gray out tomorrow against a Villanova team that lost at home for the first time in two seasons, um, I mean, obviously the Villanova is going to be a heavy favorite. What are you hoping to see out of the Villanova game?
1: Uh, maybe something a little more inspiring than we saw in, in what eventually became JT three's last game as Georgetown's head coach. And that yeah game we probably lost by 30 or so where people were complaining about not getting pizza, and Tyler Crawford, and it just turned into <laughs> not the best look for our program. Uh, what am i hoping for expecting i want us to play hard i want us to play you know i want to play aggressive not scared and i want to see improvement you know there's if we get some adjustment you know i i i appreciate the fact you know in the, in, in the providence game we never had the lead I, you know we were down what uh, 15 points in the first half 16 points in the second half and yet we came back and cut it to three at halftime. We cut it to four with four minutes to go in the second half. Our guys are playing hard, our guys are fighting. It's not it's not good enough, but the effort is there. So I want to see more of that. And I appreciate um even though the move didn't pay off at the start of the first half or second half, but tinkering the starting lineup, taking yes. Caden Rice out of the starting lineup, I thought was a great idea. Colin Holloway is you know, had been playing um, pretty well. He's, uh, you know, a few too many turnovers, but his fundamentals are sound. He looks to score. He's a pretty good passer uh, he, and a rebounder, and he, and he, and he plays hard. So I appreciate putting Colin in the starting lineup because Caden, too often, way too often, is just a one-trick pony. Everybody knows he's just going to get it, and jack up a three. And even though he shoots at a pretty good clip and, and makes a lot of threes, his defense isn't always sound. And uh you know, he's gotta he's gotta develop in other areas. So I like changing it up. I mean this this reminded me of taking Blair out of the starting lineup. I agree. Even though he was our leading scorer as Caden Rice is our leading scorer. It's 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 nice to shake things up. I like seeing Rice as sort of like a microwave type of guy who can hit a few threes off the bench. Um and I thought it was gonna work, but you know the game started out 13 to nothing in the first half and a 4 point deficit with our starters back in in the second half to start quickly became a 16 point deficit so it wasn't clicking but it doesn't mean that it was the the wrong to shake things up uh, getting those guys to play together a little bit more will hopefully pay off changing our schemes a little bit more going to zone pressing i think will pay off and then you know, I hate to say it, but we've got to try a little bit more just playing small. We can't constantly have, you know, uh, the a seven-footer in the game at all times. And I know we've got three of them on the roster and we want to find minutes for all of them. But the reality is sometimes it's better when, when we go small so we can run a little bit more and close out on the perimeter more effectively and and switch on everything.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, I don't know if it makes for a good podcast, but you're definitely saying most of the things I totally agree with. Um, you know, I, I forget, I think Florida brought it up that maybe it was on Hoya Talk or on Twitter that uh, the guys on Kente Corner are just always pushing for the small ball. And I don't think that's fair. That's not my total philosophy, although that is kind of the way basketball, you know, was changed to. But I think based on the personnel of Georgetown's bigs, I think it just screams for a lot more, you know, opportunities to try small ball because it just you got to kind of look at what you got, right? You know, and I, I don't, you know, I tweeted yesterday. Wow, in the first seven minutes, Georgetown's used all three of their seven footers. You know,
1: yeah. Um and it's I, like, we, uh, is that really need, the path to winning? We we need guys with defined roles, right? Yeah. I mean, we we, you know, if people have to have a clear sense of what. What they need to be doing because right now the only way we really can score is if Caden or Carry hits a deep three or we score in transition. We got to get steal and we score in transition. Our half court offense is is really a mess. So that that to me we we need to see progress and I, I would look at this from a, from a few different angles but we can start with Amina Muhammad. Uh, Aminu, unquestionably, I think has the body, you know, uh, you know, and and the size as a bigger guard, and the athleticism, uh, and the rebounding prowess to compete at the next level. I think it's I think it's all there. The problem is he's not being put in positions where he can succeed, and part of that is on him, and part of that is on the staff. I think too often it can be frustrating. We don't have enough guys able to create their own shot. We we don't have enough sets where we can get guys good shots. And Aminu feels like he's got to do everything on his own. And he's dribbling into multiple guys and, and forcing up difficult shots. This wasn't the case during the non-conference portion of the schedule. And so he was getting a lot better looks and, and, and looks better. But of course, with the conference play comes scouting reports and, teams have occasionally been doubling him or putting their best defender on him. And he's found it really difficult to adjust. So I think he's got to recognize situations in which, you know, he's, he's looking at a it like a, sort of a poor angle for a shot or um, where it would be more beneficial to kind of pick up a defender and then pass out quickly to a guard or pass underneath to a big and, and get a better look. And part of that is just, it takes time and and it takes, you know, the right plays. I mean he's he's the the one on one ball is just so disheartening to watch. And it's it's not just Aminu, it Dante does it and Caden does it. Uh, and it 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 is sometimes rewarded when we hit deep threes, and that's unfortunate because it's not pretty to see.
0: Yeah, well it leads and I think that's probably one of the bigger things that led to Patrick's rant that I think was probably a little bit too early. But you know, the selfishness Um, You know, guys not trying to set other guys up. And we watched Providence yesterday, you know, kind of just get into the lane. Everyone just collapses. And then there was an outlet. I mean, we, you know, I think um, the dude, the dude off their bench came in real quick and was just, you know, filling it up. And, uh, you you know, Patrick mentioned yesterday that Dante is still covering from the, the COVID fog, as he described it. They're probably not good enough defenders and they're both small but the way that UConn kind of won their last two championships, which has been a while now, 11 and 14, is they would put two point guards on the court a lot. And I was hoping to see some of that with Dante and Tyler because I think Tyler's definitely provided enough of a glimpse as to why he was a pretty highly rated recruit that did a prep year. Obviously, Dante is the hero from last year's Big East tournament, been struggling a little bit. But if they can't play together, I do think I think Tyler provides a little bit of a different play and i think it should be rewarded with some decent playing time it goes to what you said about they made the you know patrick made that lineup change for the first half or from you know the previous game not starting caden it would have been nice to maybe let him ride the guys that got them back into the game maybe let them start at providence in the in the second I, half
1: i agree look and and if he wants to go small it would be fun to see dante tyler carry Aminu, and holloway out there you know, we would certainly be undersized, but look, Aminu's what the leading rebounder in the conference right now, yeah. And Holloway is a surprisingly good rebounder too. So it would give us what we lose in in length, we pick up in speed and aggressiveness, and uh, and and let's let's see how that plays out. I, I think different combinations of guys would be would be helpful for
0: sure. Well, you know, I mean, they're going to have a chance tomorrow against Villanova, right? Because I mean, how much have they have they killed Georgetown in the past with just, you know, whoever is the center can't really guard anybody. You know, we saw yeah. was it was um, at Samuels and, um, you know, in the, the past couple of years just go nuts, I, I think. So this will be a good chance to do it. I'm not saying that whatever they do against Villanova is going to be a tall order. Villanova, one of the best teams in the country again, unfortunately, depending on your view. Coming off a loss too, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and you know, in like, you know, they're not they're they're, they're definitely not showing up to DC all full of themselves like I said after losing. They they didn't lose a home game last year. They hadn't won, they hadn't lost one this year yet. So, it had, it had been about 2 years since they they lost at home. So, not getting Villanova at the best time, although there's probably not a great time to ever get them, but I do think yes, this is the Kente corner going small ball, uh vote of confidence yet again. I am a little concerned about the gray out. I don't know if they're doing all the t-shirts and stuff or if you're supposed to bring your own, but I, I just, you know, like I said, the home attendance outside of Syracuse kind of grim. I'm a, I'm a little worried about that. Yeah.
1: I, I, all, all of that, I, who knows what kind of crowd we're going to get. Hopefully a halfway decent one. Hopefully we, we play hard and hopefully we surprise some people with the way we play. I, I just, you know, I, I'm, I'm taking a quick look at, um, some of the statistics, by the way, I I have not done that, done it uh, this year yet, but I like TeamRankings.com, and because you asked earlier about best case scenarios, let's put best case scenarios to one side. I think what everyone just wants to see is progress, uh, a positive trajectory. And I think one thing that has been consistently frustrating over the course of, of coach Ewing's tenure has been a couple of things. First and foremost perimeter defense and the second thing is turnovers. And we have not had the same teams year in and year out. You know, you remember in the last couple of years during the J T three era, you know, people were wondering, well, you know, can is the foul rate attributable to Jesse or or you know, or Josh Smith or or, or someone else? You know, is it is it something that was uh linked to personnel rather than scheme? During Ewing's tenure, it's it's really hard to make that case because our roster has been, you know, so different from year to year over the course of these first five years. So I just I, I just looked up to see how we're doing in in each of those two areas. And so for perimeter defense teams are shooting 35.6% against us from deep, which is 277th in the country. So there are only, I think five five power conference teams that have a worse figure than, than that. So that's, unfortunately that's consistent with where we've been the last four years. We've we've even been worse in certain years. At one point last year, I know we were, you know, I, I think closer to the 300s than this. So that's that's one important metric. Uh, on turnovers, we're committing 14 and a half turnovers per game. That's 296th in the country, and I think there are only six major conference teams below us uh on mm-hmm. on this uh, on this step missouri creighton oklahoma state maybe a couple of them, stanford so south carolina so you know we know what the problem is this is this is not a situation in which this is something that we mysteriously can't diagnose it it's been a problem regardless of personnel we need we we, we clearly need um better different in- ideas uh, different ideas, uh, you know, better solutions to these problems. Because it it, this, it can't all be on the players that we have consistently had um, performed poorly when it comes to perimeter defense and, and turnovers. So that's the dour note of, of the pod. But I think injecting some of the metrics into this are important just to see how we've been progressing from year to year.
0: Can I add one that's going to make it onto my game thread? That sure. is very scary. Ken Palm conference only Villanova shoots the highest percentage of two-pointers in the conference. Do you know who has the worst two-point percentage defense? Coach?
1: Yes. We have the worst two-point percentage defense and three-point percentage
0: defense. Again, this is this is conference only stuff. Okay. So, I think you might have been looking at statistics that were
1: for all of the games? Oh well, actually, yes. St. John's does have a worse three-point defense than we do. <laughs> St. John's um, is the only one in the conference that has it, and and on turnovers, Creighton is the only one in the conference that has that's worse.
0: Yeah. So you know, obviously Georgetown's only played four conference games. Some of the teams have played, you know,
1: you know, a couple more. But you know, through their four what games, you're... <laughs> what you're saying then is you want me to look up. Uh... What are two point percentages nationally? Because I, I can do that in yeah. 20 seconds. Uh, sure. sure.
0: No, I, I'm just saying, I think that, that that's a scary thing because um, I think Marquette shot 30. And obviously, they've only played four games. So it's, you know, it's, it's each game is weighted more than some of the other teams. But Marquette was 30 for 40 on twos. You know, that's 75%, right? I'm not a math major, econ, mm-hmm. but not not math. But so, I mean, when you're when you're playing the team that shoots the best and you defend the worst you know and i asked patrick yesterday well you know you guys cuz i think it's unusual what happened yesterday that you shoot so well you make 13 threes you shoot over 50% and you were you know the best you could do is you know kind of get to within arm's length those 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 are really good three point numbers right and i said what was your de- where where is your defense lacking and he said you know points in the paint which obviously those points in the paint are two pointers Right. So that's the one thing that sticks out to me when I look at the preview and I look at like the matchup. And obviously Villanova is Villanova. So you're already it's already, you know, a big task. But then you look at that, you're like, ooh, this is their strength matches up right with Georgetown's weakness.
1: Yeah. So we're 217th nationally. So actually not as not as bad. compared. OK, um, this but, is out of
0: 358, right? Uh,
1: yes. So, yeah, no, it should be an adventure tomorrow, but every game is an adventure.
0: Do you have any plans to make any more games this year? Are you going to be at the Big East Tournament? I mean, obviously everything could change based on variants and all these things.
1: Yeah, I'll definitely be at the Big East Tournament. I will definitely be at the game at Seton Hall. Okay. And beyond beyond that, I will uh, do my best to get to one or two more games in in dc to root the guys on
0: well NY, i appreciate you coming on is there any other is there anything else that we've missed any more flowery um statistics uh non-grim outlooks is there anything we're missing and for the people that are listening and i know i got a lot of messages you know wanting kente corner to come back i know a lot of people probably just want like an hour-long pod dedicated to uh, Patrick Ewing and all that stuff. Like there's a lot of season left. Okay. Um, try to keep it, keep it on, on task here a little bit. Is there anything and why that uh, I'm missing and you haven't been on in a while. So, if you, you know, if you don't get on for a while, you know, going forward, I just want to make sure that there's not something out there that the people need to hear from you.
1: Yeah. So much love to, to Don Carey because despite this team's record, he's been great. So he's he's averaging 13 and a half points a game, over five rebounds, over three assists, almost two steals, uh, shooting 45 percent from the floor, 94 percent from the free throw line, 48 percent from three. So, I I mean, those are really, really good numbers. And, uh, you know, he's he's 48 percent from three and he's got the second highest number of threes on our team and he's missed a number of games. So he's he's really looked good. Uh, he's got a positive assist-to-turnover ratio. I like what I've seen from him. Uh, I think he's improved from last year to this year. So I think that that deserves to be said. He's a leader on the team, and he it, there's no question we've missed him in the four games he, for which he was out. <clears throat> Looking forward to seeing what he can do the rest of the season. I think he's sort of cemented himself as a guy who can definitely – make a roster um somewhere in Europe or potentially even the G League. We'll see. Yeah, I totally agree. And I'm glad for him that he
0: was a part of last season, both as, you know, helping with the local recruiting angle. I know obviously he was at Siena and Mount St. Mary's, but it was, you know, great to see him come home as local recruiting has been an issue. But also as this season has been a struggle you know, who knows how it's going to go. It, it seems like it's going to maybe continue to be a struggle. I'm very happy for him that he got to be part of last season and all of the, you know, accolades that they accomplished after the pause and then obviously at the Big East tournament that we sadly were not able to attend. So I totally agree. Glad for Don Carey and uh, glad for us. Glad for Kente Corner getting back. And NY, I'm so glad that you were able to come in today. We had to pay you the big bucks after Andrew was uh, – called away to do who knows what the hell he's doing but uh it's always great to have you on and uh everyone that's out there can take corner if you're listening you know how to find us make sure that you subscribe that helps a lot helps with the downloads we'll try and get back at you sooner rather than later
1: enjoy the wordle hope tom brady loses go hoyas (laughs) see ya love you bobby